Welcome to Chomping Down the Dietetic Exam, where I, Dietitian Faraz, and you, an awesome person, join forces to chomp down dietetic concepts into digestible bites and provide you with practice questions, rationales, and tips to conquer your dietetic exam, and you will conquer it because you are smart, you are skilled, and you got this. Hit it! Welcome to another episode of Chomping Down the Dietetic Exam. I'm Dietitian Faraz, and thank you for tuning in. So before going into today's topics, I got some really, really exciting news I gotta share with you. So over the years, I've had a lot of podcast listeners and students ask me to develop a program that covers everything you need to know about the RD exam. Well, guess what? That's happened. I've developed a program that's really focused on visual learning, and this program consists of 17 video lectures that cover all four domains and every topic that's relevant to the RD exam. These topics are covered with full explanations, tons of mnemonics, illustrations, animations, tables, and each video lecture also has a pre and post test and a super duper colorful set of corresponding notes. This full program is now available on our website at chompdowndietetics.com. Make sure to check out the program sneak peek video on the website's homepage and feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions. So with that being said, how you doing? It's good to be back. It's definitely been a minute and uh, it's been so crazy, you know, and I'm happy to be getting back on the grind, making these episodes. It's been so busy with the dissertation, teaching at the university and just the holidays. And my wife and I are expecting our second child. So it's been a whirlwind of months. But hey, we're back on the grind and we're starting off today with going over some listener requested topics and they are going to be menu engineering, nephrotic syndrome, and the MNT for nephrotic syndrome. Since that topic is pretty long, I'm going to chunk it into two different pieces. One going over really the pathophysiology and its relationship with albumin and the second part being the MNT recommendations. With that being said, let's go into our first appetizer question. Woohoo! Consider a menu with specific regards to menu engineering. On this menu, an item with a high contribution margin is anything with a value above $5 per item. An item with a high menu mix value is anything with a value above 10 Clam chowder is on this menu and has a contribution margin of $4 and a menu mix value of 9 Clam chowder is best described as which of the following? A. Star B. Plow horse C. Puzzle D. Dog Menu engineering is a concept to encourage customers to purchase certain items, and it helps us determine promotion, portion size, price, and which items to eliminate off the menu. And the way we determine these things is based on two factors, popularity and profitability. We call popularity the menu mix, and we call profitability the contribution margin. 
to distinguish and remember between the two. Menu mix starts with the letter M, M and M, and M and M is a very popular musician. Also, the candy M and M is a very popular candy. Now, depending on an item's popularity, aka menu mix, and an item's profitability, aka contribution margin, it's placed in one of four categories, and these four categories are star, plow horse, puzzle, and dog. What an absolutely random set of categories, right? So let's start with a star. A star has high popularity, aka a high menu mix, and high profitability, aka a high contribution margin. Basically, a star is high and high. And stars are in the sky, and they're high in the sky, right? So that's one way you can remember it. Also, you know how in Mario, where everybody wants a star? Because stars make you invincible. And that's what your star items on the menu are. They're invincible because they're always profitable and they're always popular. So you want those items on the menu just like you want the star in Mario. Then you have a plow horse and a plow horse item has a high menu mix and a low contribution margin. So it's popular but it's not very profitable. And one way to remember this is that plow horses have traditionally been used by farmers and there was a point in US history around the end of the 19th century where a huge portion of Americans were working on farms. About one in three Americans were working on farms. Unfortunately around that time there were all kinds of hardships that happened like a massive drought and a bad economy that ultimately made the farmers lose a lot of income. Since these farmers used plow horses, you can use that to remember that back then it was very popular to be a farmer, but it wasn't very profitable to be a farmer. In other words, there was a high menu mix, but there was a low contribution margin. Then you have a puzzle, and that's an item that has a low menu mix and a high contribution margin. And it's the exact opposite of a plow horse. And the best way to remember is that you know a plow horse is going to be highly popular but not very profitable. Then you just look at a puzzle, and they both start with the letter P. So with puzzle, you just flip it and say that it's not very popular but it is highly profitable. Now let's talk dogs. A dog is a man's best friend, but it is not the best item on the menu. In fact, it's the worst item on the menu because it has a low menu mix and a low contribution margin. It really doesn't make sense to me why the worst item on the menu is called a dog because dogs are awesome. That's a fact. And in my eyes, they are all stars. I have a dog. Her name is Mooney. And she's fantastic. And she actually really helped me with my RD exam because when I was studying, 
I would teach her the concepts so I could hear myself actually go through the concepts and she would listen to me <laughs> and so Mooney knows a ton about dietetics. Unfortunately, with regards to menu engineering, dog items are considered the worst items because they're low on both menu mix and contribution margin. Now, there are certain recommendations that we're supposed to follow with specific regards to the different categories of our items. So let's go over that right now. If you have a star item on the menu, then you are keeping it on the menu. That's your money maker, and you're promoting it as much as possible because you're guaranteed as much as you can be guaranteed to make sales on it. Now, if you have a plow horse item, basically with the plow horse item, it's not profitable. So you want to make it as profitable as possible. So what you do with your plow horse items is you look at the plate once a customer is done eating a plow horse item. Is there leftovers or remainders on the plate? If so, then that's something you can take a look at and consider decreasing the portion size to increase the potential profits. Oftentimes with these items, the food costs are higher whether if it's regards to ingredients or preparation. So again, decreasing the portion size may help increase your profit. You could also consider increasing the price of a plow horse item so that you increase its contribution margin. Now with puzzle items, you have to really decide whether you want to continue offering them or not because they don't have a high menu mix. They have a low menu mix, but they do have a high contribution margin. So they're profitable. But if not enough people are buying, then you don't have enough sales volume to justify continuing to offer this puzzle item because even though it's profitable, if no one's buying it, it's not gonna make enough money so you're just getting more and more losses so oftentimes with puzzles you have to really decide whether you want to keep offering these items or not sometimes you can try to promote puzzle items to increase their menu mix and you can do that in various ways whether if it's through social media or putting a box around the item on a menu. You can also consider lowering the price of the item to make it more profitable. But ultimately, the main thing you want to keep in mind with puzzle items is whether to continue offering the item on the menu or not due to the lack of high menu mix. With dog items, Oftentimes, these menu items are on the menu because you, as the menu maker, like offering it, or it's just a recipe that's been in the family for generations and you want to keep it on the menu for nostalgic reasons. And those are all really cool reasons, but dog items are not 
popular, they don't have a high menu mix, and they're not profitable, so they don't have a high contribution margin. So you should really consider eliminating dog items from the menu. You should let them out. You know that song, Who Let the Dogs Out? Well, the answer is you. You let the dogs out off of the menu because they just don't add anything to your menu. So why would you consider keeping them on the menu? Let the dogs out, answer the question to the song, and move on. So you know how in a puzzle item, you're still considering whether to continue offering the item? With a dog item, you are much more heavily leaning towards completely eliminating it from the menu. Also, sorry if now you have the song Who Let the Dogs Out going through your head. If you do, why don't you take a break, listen to it, get it out of your system, and then come back to the podcast. And if you don't need to, then let's keep going. Let's go to now the appetizer question. Consider a menu with specific regards to menu engineering. On this menu, an item with a high contribution margin is anything with a value above $5. An item with a high menu mix is anything with a value above 10 Clam chowder is on this menu and has a contribution margin of $4 and a menu mix value of 9 Clam chowder is best described as which of the following? A. Star B. Plow horse C. Puzzle D. Dog so we can view this question with specific regards to the contribution margin and menu mix serving as thresholds and the question says that any item with a high contribution margin has a value above five dollars since an item has to have a value above five dollars to be considered to have a high contribution margin we can consider clam chowder to have a low contribution margin because its value is $4, which is less than 5 The question also says that any item with a high menu mix has a value above 10 Since an item has to have a value above 10 to be considered to have a high menu mix, we can consider clam chowder to have a low menu mix because its value is 9, which is less than 10. So, clam chowder has a low contribution margin and a low menu mix. We know that only dog items have both a low contribution margin and a low menu mix. Therefore, D, dog, is the correct answer. So, requests were made to cover the pathophysiology for nephrotic syndrome, its associated conditions, relationship to albumin, and corresponding medical nutrition therapy. Since there's a lot to uncover, we'll split the content up into two appetizer questions. So here is the first appetizer question. Here we go. Which of the following would least likely present in a patient with nephrotic syndrome? A. Albuminuria B. Edema C. Hyperalbuminemia D. Hyperlipidemia Nephrotic syndrome is primarily concerned 
with inflammation of the glomerulus, specifically the podocytes, which are the epithelial cells that cover the outside of the glomerular capillary and help prevent protein loss. Now, when these podocytes get damaged, they let protein slip, which eventually get passed through the urine. This is referred to as proteinuria. Proteins are escaping the circulation and coming out of the body through the urine, but because so much protein is being transferred out of circulation, the body experiences hypoproteinemia, which is a decreased amount of protein in the blood. So there's already two associated conditions that we've discussed with nephrotic syndrome, and that's proteinuria and hypoproteinemia. And to break it down into a concise sentence, basically we're saying with these two conditions, a patient is excessively urinating protein out of their body, and as a result, they have decreased levels of protein in the blood. If you have decreased amounts of protein and are having a tough time keeping protein in the body, this can lead to malnutrition. So let's say we have a patient that has nephrotic syndrome. The patient is having a tough time keeping protein in the body, right? Well, the body produces all types of proteins, but there is one specific protein we're super concerned with here, and that is albumin. So with albumin, we have to keep two specific characteristics in mind. It's negatively charged, and it's relatively big. And both characteristics are critical to be aware of. With regards to charge, albumin has a net negative charge. And this is important to know because its net negative charge attracts positive ions, such as sodium ions. So sodium ions are attracted to albumin, but what is attracted to sodium? Water, right? Yeah, water. So as a result, albumin is able to attract water via sodium's attraction to albumin. Now, albumin is considered a relatively big protein, and this is also important to know because we have albumin throughout our body, and one specific area where albumin exists is the capillaries. Now, the capillaries have semi-permeable walls, which basically means that some stuff is able to pass through and some stuff isn't. However, since albumin is relatively large, it doesn't normally pass through capillary walls. So, since albumin attracts water and albumin stays within the capillaries because it's so big, it's able to attract that water, pull it into the capillaries, and then hold that attracted water by preventing it from being leaked through the capillaries into the interstitial space and tissues. This is essentially the process being referred to when we hear that albumin maintains oncotic pressure. So now going back to the patient, they have proteinuria and hypoproteinemia, basically meaning they have decreased levels of protein in the body. And since albumin is a protein, this means there will be less albumin as well. When there are low levels of albumin in the body, this is referred to as hypoalbuminemia. Since albumin is able to maintain oncotic pressure in the process we just went over, 
A lack of albumin means that the patient will experience a drop in oncotic pressure, meaning water will leak through the capillaries into the interstitial space and tissues because we don't have albumin there in the body to keep the water in the capillaries. And when this leaking is happening, this is referred to as edema. Leaking of albumin can occur in the urine, which is also referred to as albuminuria. So now our patient with nephrotic syndrome is malnourished, is experiencing proteinuria, albuminuria, hypoproteinemia, hypoalbuminemia, and edema. Main thing to keep in mind is the body is losing protein in the urine. So naturally, the body will want to make more protein to compensate, and that's what happens. Unfortunately, the body, specifically the liver, panics and starts producing all kinds of stuff like lipoproteins, cholesterol, triglycerides. In addition, due to the low levels of protein in the body, proteins that aid in breaking down fats, such as lipoprotein lipase, are reduced as well. So they can't keep up with all of these excessive amounts of lipids that are being newly produced. Since there is an increased production of lipoproteins and lipids, and as we established earlier, the glomerulus is compromised, so as a result, the filtration system is compromised, this leads to a buildup of lipids and lipid proteins, and it becomes difficult to clear them from the body, aka hyperlipidemia. So that's a gist of the conditions that are generally associated with nephrotic syndrome. Out of all the ones we covered, I would mostly keep in mind the hyperlipidemia, edema, malnutrition, and albuminuria. And I said it in an order, which if you take each letter, it stands for hema, which brings to mind hematuria. And hematuria is blood in the urine. That's a condition that's often associated with patients who have kidney issues, such as the conditions that we're talking about in this episode. So that, in addition to patients with bladder issues as well, tend to have hematuria. So I always thought of HEMA as an acronym to remember the conditions most often associated with nephrotic syndrome. With that being said, let's go back to our appetizer question. Which of the following would least likely present in a patient with nephrotic syndrome? A. Albuminuria B. Edema C. Hyperalbuminemia D. Hyperlipidemia Well, we know that albuminuria, edema, and hyperlipidemia are all conditions that can be present with nephrotic syndrome. So we can actually eliminate all of these as answer choices. And that leaves us with hyperalbuminemia as our answer choice because it is most likely that a patient with nephrotic syndrome will have hypoalbuminemia, and that would indicate decreased levels of albumin in the blood, as opposed to hyperalbuminemia, which would indicate increased levels of albumin in the blood. Thus, our answer is C, hyperalbuminemia. Okay, let's move on to our next appetizer question. Here we go. Which of the following would be most likely suggested to a patient with nephrotic syndrome? A. 
0.8 to 1.0 grams per kilogram protein and 25 calories per kilogram per day. B, 0.8 to 1.0 grams per kilogram protein and 35 calories per kilogram per day. C, 1.5 to 2.0 grams per kilogram protein and 25 calories per kilogram per day. D, 1.5 to 2.0 grams per kilogram protein and 35 calories per kilogram per day. Please note that I do write these questions in the detail section of the episode, and you can access that on either Spotify or iTunes, just so you can follow along. So let's discuss protein first, because that's one of the topics that's been debated throughout time. And essentially, the consensus now is that a moderate protein restriction is sufficient among patients with nephrotic syndrome. You don't necessarily need to give them high-protein diets. And the logic behind that is, well, they're urinating a ton of protein out. And if you just give them excess protein, then chances are they'll just urinate that protein out. They won't be able to keep it inside. So there's really no point to give that much protein to patients. Instead, it's much more feasible to give a moderate protein intake. And a moderate protein intake would be in the realms of 0.8 to 1.0 grams per kilogram. Different facilities may have different values that they recommend for protein intake with regards to nephrotic syndrome, but the general consensus is that this is a pretty safe bet with 0.8 to 1.0. Now, with regards to calories, calorie needs for patients with nephrotic syndrome are quite high, and that has to do with the idea that a lot of these patients can become malnourished. So naturally, they'll have higher calorie needs. 35 calories per kilogram per day is what I've seen most consistently recommended in both the literature and in practice. Again, facilities may have different values, but again, that's a consistent finding. Since we're on the topic of MNT for nephrotic syndrome, I want to discuss just briefly why iron, copper, zinc, calcium, vitamin D, why all of these are usually associated with deficiencies with nephrotic syndrome. And the reason why the big take-home message that can bind everything is that word, bind. Essentially, all of these vitamins and minerals have a binding protein that helps to keep them within the body. But because they're proteins, and the big issue in nephrotic syndrome is the loss of proteins in the urine, these binding proteins decrease in addition to all the other proteins. So if you don't have enough of these binding proteins, you're not going to be able to have appropriate levels of iron, copper, zinc, calcium, vitamin D. 
So that's why those particular vitamins and minerals are always associated with Fardic syndrome. And it has to do with those binding proteins being in short supply. So continuing onwards with the MNT. So we generally recommend less than 30% fat in the diet. And that's associated with the chances of hyperlipidemia. And we also recommend a low amount of saturated fat as well. And we also usually suggest a sodium restriction of 2 to 3 grams, depending on whether if the nephrotic patient has edema or not. If they have edema, it totally makes sense to put a sodium restriction because if the patient is consuming more sodium, more sodium attracts more water, and that's just going to make the edema worse, right? So... That's also why you will see sodium restriction recommendation in patients with nephrotic syndrome and edema. In addition, if there is edema, then the patient may also need a fluid restriction. You're also likely to see a sodium restriction if the patient has nephrotic syndrome and hypertension as well. So that pretty much covers the MNT that you would probably want to know for nephrotic syndrome on the exam. Let's go back to our appetizer question. Which of the following would be most likely suggested to a patient with nephrotic syndrome? A, 0.8 to 1.0 grams per kilogram protein and 25 calories per kilogram per day. B, 0.8 to 1.0 grams per kilogram protein and 35 calories per kilogram per day. C, 1.5 to 2.0 grams per kilogram protein and 25 calories per kilogram per day. D, 1.5 to 2.0 grams per kilogram protein and 35 calories per kilogram per day. So we can automatically eliminate C and D because they start off with 1.5 to 2.0 grams per kilogram protein and that's pretty high. And we really only need a moderate protein restriction, so those can be eliminated. That leaves us with A and B. Now, A has 0.8 to 1.0, and so does B with regards to the protein. But A also has 25 calories per kg per day. B has 35. So the general recommendation is 35 calories per kg per day. And it makes sense because you would want an increased amount of calories given to the patient, particularly with this condition and all of the associated conditions that come with nephrotic syndrome. So we can eliminate A, the one with 25 calories, because that might be a bit too low. And then we can settle on our answer choice of B, 0.8 to 1.0 grams per kilogram protein, and 35 calories per kg per day. All right, that's a wrap for today's episode. Remember to check us out on chompdowndietetics.com where we have our program that covers all relevant topics on the RD exam with video lectures and colorful notes. You can also hit us up on our socials, which are listed in the episode descriptions. And this is where you can request topics and just let us know how you're doing with your exam journeys. With that being said, I will catch you later. Bye-bye.